Hey, Jesse. How you doing? Pretty downtrodden, Katie. Oh, I'd like to hear that. <laughs> the worse you're doing, the better I'm doing. Wow. Just as a general rule. Wow. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. How it's. I don't know if it's a causation correlation thing. I don't know. But it's just like, it just tends to be like that. Katie, I know you've been working with that social skills coach, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to say, why are you feeling downtrodden, Jesse? <sighs> Fine. Why are you downtrodden? What the fuck happened? Well, I've been having a rough time out here. Uh, I'm in California. I've been skiing in Lake Tahoe. I feel so terrible for so, you. So already. Yeah. I'm a, Yeah, it's pretty bad. No, this has been like my first like actual semi-vacation in a long time. Like I only did a couple hours of work every day and I'm usually um, so conscientious that that's unusual. Anyway, um, because it's really cool to do this and people love it, my brother and I were filming each other skiing which is just awesome. That's really mm -hmm. impressive, right? That you can film yourself skiing, that you can like hold a camera up and press play, plus record the big red yeah. button. <laughs> and then post it to Twitter for likes. I'm so impressed right now. <laughs> but it, we there was a missed opportunity because I was about to do like a sort of steep part, which first of all, it's stupid to do that because you can't tell it's steep with a two-dimensional video, but I just really want people to like me or at least engage with me. Um, I told my brother... Alex, if I fall to my death and it's on video, I want you to post this to Twitter and say, uh, weird hill to die on, Jesse. I made that joke like two years ago. Are you serious? Yeah, I made it and I was in, a, I was in Alaska and I was skiing and I posted on Twitter a picture of me skiing on this hill and I said, found my hill to die on or something like that. Mm, yeah. I think my version's funnier. Uh, uh, read the Here's what what's happening right now. You are colonizing my jokes. You are mm -hmm. gentrifying your, my jokes. You are taking my jokes and you're making them worse. I also don't understand how you live out here because everyone is so happy and sunny and everything stoked and rad. How do you do Like, you're not like that. It's not like that in Seattle. Everybody is m angry and mean and judgy. And that's why I live there. Yeah. I'm essentializing. Uh, okay. Katie, what is the name of this increasingly uh, West Coast podcast? This is Blocked and Reported. I'm Katie Herzog. And I'm Jesse Single. And we've got a bunch on the agenda today. You're going to want to listen through the end because at the end, after all the stuff on our agenda, We've got an announcement about um, the future. The future of the show. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Things are changing around here, folks. Isn't, okay, isn't that a little bit of a dramatic, like, you're that's sort of baity to be like the future of the show. As do a, we have an announcement about the future of the show, Jesse? <sighs> okay, let me, let me just give a quick... It's a yes or no question. Yes, but can I give a quick example of why that's no. unfair? No, 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 you can't. Let's move on. I had a health scare this morning. Do you not care about that? No, I don't care about your health scare either. Where, I like, where do you get the impression that I care about you? What have I said? <laughs> have I said anything over the past four years of doing this podcast that makes me think I care about your health? Have I? <laughs> wow. Wow. If I told you I had a health scare and then I revealed the health scare was I briefly choked on a Dayquil gel cap, which I did, <laughs> that wouldn't be right. I actually already knew about that because you fucking texted me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. There was a, this is unfair. I can't say who we were texting with, but there was a reason in context for me to mention it. Jesus. One of our celebrity okay, friends it, it, was telling us about his, his issues. And so you said, I choked on a, on a Dayquil cap. And I said, Jesse, read the instructions. You're not supposed to drink the cap. It was a pretty good line. Oh, and I hope you're feeling better. Uh, Andrew Tate. <laughs> All right. What's on our fucking, um, sorry. My dad always complains that I swear too much on the show. What's on our goddamn agenda. <laughs> Um, the main, the meat of the show today, we're going to be talking about a Canadian journalist named Jesse Brown. Uh, I, some of our listeners might have some strong opinions about Jesse Brown. So that's going to be the meat of the show today. And then we have some, um, we have a sort of an amuse-bouche mm -hmm. up top. Well, it's more of a me meze plate, I'd say. Okay, sure. We've got multiple amuse-bouches. Okay, well, we try our best to avoid actual actual politics on this show, but sometimes- We are apolitical, <laughs> always have been. Sometimes it just cannot be avoided. Like, for instance, right now, because the following story was published last week in the Oklahoman, quote, this is the headline, Oklahoma bill would require furries to be picked up from school yes. by parents' animal control. <laughs> oh, this is so good. The bill was, yeah, go ahead. To me, they should go straight to the camp, but... Yeah. Um, this is this is a good start as far as Call I'm concerned. The I'm dog sorry, Trace. Catcher. We should have some dog collar with like a symbol for the good ones, like tr like Trace, like a shot collar. No, like a, a like he gets a special collar that shows he's a good boy and he doesn't okay. get rounded up. Uh, all right, so the bill was proposed. By, do you think they're going to round him up and neuter him, spay them? <laughs> I'm against that. I should say I'm against that. catch, spay, and release furries. Yeah. 
I don't know if they released. Okay, so the bill was proposed by Representative Justin Humphrey, who I'm sure it will shock you to learn is a Republican. No. And he, he seems to get his news from libs of TikTok because he is very concerned about kids using litter boxes in schools, which, to be clear, is an urban legend, a popular one. Katie, it's not an urban legend. Everybody knows someone who knows someone who saw this percent. <laughs> There are zero documented cases of schools allowing kids to relieve themselves in litter boxes because they identify as furries. And as we have mentioned before, uh, This American Life did an episode about this a while back, and they found that some schools do indeed keep litter boxes on hand, but they aren't for furries. They are for kids to use in the event of a fucking lockdown. Yeah. Very dark. And somehow this sad reality, plus the fact that cat ear headbands are in has somehow morphed into the fiction that teachers are letting kids piss in the litter box which does leave some unanswered questions for instance who cleans them who is supposed to clean these mythical litter boxes hmm. it like it become like a classroom chore like uh slap the, d- the dust out of the erasers and, and clean the litter box okay anyway uh representative humphrey is very concerned about this thing that isn't happening here he is discussing it people are gonna call me insane for running this bill Hell, I'd say they're insane. If you got an animal coming to school, how about we get them vaccinated? How about we get them neutered? And how about we send them to the pound? I don't want to see some kid going to the bathroom in a, uh, you know, in a litter box, in a kitty litter. Those people up there have lost their mind letting these people pretend to be animals in the classroom. If they're going to be animals, let's send them pound. Let's send them home. We're not. How do you teach a cat math? Okay, Katie, I have multiple <laughs> thoughts on this video. Um, first of all, people use that that line from Contact when Jodie Foster's like uh, something like "It's too beautiful." Should have sent a poet. That's how I felt watching that. It was a religious experience. The second thing is nobody. Don't pull up the video just yet. If you only have heard the audio before you pull up the video, picture what you think the guy saying this looks like. And then you will see you are right. I promise you, you are right. It is exactly what you expect. He's black. He's not black. That would be hilarious. <laughs> it's just Snoop Dogg. That's what Snoop Dogg sounds like when he's not <laughs> rapping. This guy, he looks exactly white. Like if you can, if you can visualize things, which not all of us can, he looks exactly white. He looks like he was in deliverance. He's yes. He's, he's like central casting who, what does a guy really concerned about litter boxes in schools <laughs> look like? This guy is amazing. And this might be one of the best. We keep coming upon these, um, potential tweets of the year yeah. so early in the year this should be up there you know i i generally i hate this stereotype that people with southern accents are stupid but sometimes it's just true i mean sometimes it's true that any people with any kind of it's accent true. are stupid what is, so you got to read to me from this actual bill it sounds really important okay i'm going to read you the entirety of the bill this is the entire thing quote Students who purport to be an imaginary animal or animal species or who engage in anthropomorphic behavior commonly referred to as furries at school shall not be allowed to participate in school curriculum or activities. The parent or guardian of a student in violation of this section shall pick the student up from school or animal control services shall be contacted to remove the, the student. Katie, uh, let's, let's do a quick role play. Ask me, pretend it's math class, you're the teacher. Ask me what six times three is. What's six times three? Meow. If this bill passed, any student would be able to just be like, I'm a cat. I can't participate in class. And then they get to go home. That would be awesome. (laughs) Meow, meow, I'm a cat. Of course, this bill has no chance of passing. I mean, thousands of wacky bills get introduced in state legislation. Not with that attitude, it doesn't, Katie. Come on. This is a political stunt designed to get attention. And considering that we're talking about it, I'd say it's working. (laughs) Oh, man. I do have a little bit more news from the great state of Oklahoma. You ready for it? Thank God. Yeah. Uh, just this week, Ryan Walters, Oklahoma statewide school superintendent, named a very special internet celebrity to the state's library advisory committee. Uh, any guesses? Uh, Joe Rogan. Chaya, Chaya Rajic no. from Lives of TikTok. <laughs> oh no! Wait, that so she's right. she's from from New York. She'll she'll. Commute. She's a New York real estate agent. So she's going to go to Oklahoma to talk about their books problem. This is the committee that decides what library books end up in public schools <laughs> you, you know what should be in the library yeah. the torah yeah so this is great news for abigail schreier also great news for me as i've been hoping to get my christian sex manual for teens in oklahoma libraries it's called missionary position and no one tell her what it's about every i mean we we, we lauded um John Ronson's things fell apart on the primo episode but his episode about the west virginia book bullshit uh from the when was it 70s 
it's all just the same stuff over and over again. It never gets any less dumb. Social media makes it more dumb, but it's just all the same controversies over and over again. And it's useful to realize that. So you're not like, Oh, not like yeah. it's just the same stuff. But now it's online. That's true. That's, now we've got video. But also it sucks because like I, when I read about a book band, I want to get outraged. I want to be an actual band. But half the time, it's not right. even close to a book band. Right. What is being called a book band, which is also a problem right. with how these stories are reported. Okay, Jesse, one more amuse-bouche before we get to the meat of the episode today. Uh, so Slate has a bunch of advice columns, as, as you know, as you can't avoid. Sometimes people actually ask them real questions, although that seems to be in the minority. Mm. <laughs> Uh, do we have any proof of that? <laughs> Go back and listen to the our, in our archives for that. Okay, so they've apparently run out of letters to answer because they've been rerunning old columns from their archives. Here's how they describe this exercise. This week we'll be publishing an advice time capsule each day, taking a look at what sorts of questions people were sending into Slate in the 90s through today. We'll take a look at U.S. history through the lens of our columns. It's sort of grandiose, but what they don't mention is that they are also using this as an opportunity to scold old advice columnists, particularly Margot Howard and Emily Yaffe, who both served as Dear Prudence in the late 90s and early 2000s before Daniel Lavery, nay Mallory Ortberg, took over in 2015 and, and ruined Dear Prudence. Can I just say I'm glad someone finally is scolding Emily Yaffe? Has anyone <laughs> been scolded less than Emily Yaffe? It's fine. Like, how did she get escape it for so long? Uh, so I first saw that they're doing this retrospective because Alex Griswold posted some screenshots on Twitter uh, let me read you from one. So the question came in 2009. This was sent to Slate in 2009. So this would have been the Emily Yaffe era, era of Dear Prudence. Actually, let's do a dramatic reading. You be the letter writer, I'll be Prudy. Dear Prudy, mine is only a potential problem and I don't want to overreact. Our 13-year-old daughter is only interested in her horse. We live on a large enough property to accommodate a smallish stable and the horse was a birthday gift to her when she was nine. We like the idea that she has learned to care for an animal and has become an expert rider, but everything else is going by the boards. Riding interests her much more than friends, parties, school, anything. We're somewhat worried that she will never have wider interests than mucking out stalls and distributing hay. What should we do, if anything? Dear Mom, hang loose. Your daughter is one of those who's obviously to the manure born. <laughs> Pretty herself as a girl took a trot or two. Love of horses is not, is not uncommon with adolescent and pre-adolescent girls. Most of them outgrow it, though some do not. The ones whose interest never wanes go to the show circuit, they run stables, or stay connected in some way, and have perfectly satisfying lives. There is no need for you to wean her from her interest, but you may insist that her schoolwork not suffer. Prudy is betting that sooner or later the horse will be replaced by a boy as the focus of interest. Jesse, can you predict, based on Emily Yaffe's answer, what twenty what year is it, 2024, Prudy is going to take issue with? I can strongly state that had I not already seen the answer, I would have had no idea the direction this is about to go. Okay, why don't you read uh, today's response? I'll try to. Previous Prudy's last suggestion made me recoil when I first read it. <laughs> recoil. 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 The confident, blasé assumption, as I suppose was even more common a quarter of a century ago than horsiness among girls was, that girls all grow up to be straight and that horses are early stand-ins for boyfriends. Uh, Katie, did... did Old Prudy say that all girls grow up to be straight or that horses are stand-ins for boyfriends? No, I don't know what the stand-in for boyfriends, where that came from. That is a very strange... No, she says, she says like as girls develop, they're more interested in boys than horses. That doesn't mean horses are stand-ins for boyfriends. And No. I'm, I, you can read the whole letter because it's short. There's definitely nothing about girls all growing up to be straight. That'd be funny if the original Prudy was like, when your girl grows up to be straight, which she definitely will. The woman whose response you just read, her name is Michelle Herman. And there's one other sentence from her answer that I want to read. Obviously, I wish Prudence hadn't closed her answer like a lot of people might have then and out in that casually homophobic way. Oh, it's so stupid. I know. It was like the letter was written in 2009. Like it's not the 1950s, but this was well before being queer became a fashion statement like poofy bangs or starter jerseys or coochie cutters. <laughs> like, of course, there are plenty of lesbians who are horse girls. I mean, what could be gayer than riding a fucking horse? But it's not homophobic to assume that any random person is heterosexual because the vast majority of people are, in fact, heterosexual. This is just common sense. Let me actually just read one more sentence. The one immediately following casual homophobia. But I also wish there had been some recognition that kids that age of any gender often get obsessed with things to the temporary exclusion of everything else, especially, quote, friends and parties, end quote, which at that age can be fraught experiences, not just fun. 
and that this can be a way for them to cope with the confusion. Shut, just stop. <laughs> like, stop. I was, I was a little bit of a weirdo in high school, but really? like most, most like most, I mean, less so than you think. Most people get into friends and parties in high school. Just like, it's so. Even nerds find other nerds. It's not just, yeah, they go to parties. I had friends who did land parties. I was never invited, but they did that. They played Quake 2. Um, <laughs> you were too uncool for land parties? I guess so. It's not just, um, it's not just the sanctimony. It's the manufactured nature of it. Like it, it, it reads as though she decided and I'm absolutely um, just making this up. I don't know if this is what she did, but if someone was like, I'm mad at Emily Yaffe today, so I'm going to read something she wrote 25 years ago in as negative a light as possible. This is what you'd get. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think that this is a, like, I don't think there's inherently anything cringy about this particular exercise. Like it's kind of interesting to go back and look at how things have changed totally. in the past 15 years, but they do it in this way that is like Emily Yaffe in 2009 should have known better than to assume people that like parties. Right. Right. Or to assume that any random girl is going to grow up to be heterosexual, which this girl probably fucking did. They do it in this way that just like it lacks any sort of curiosity or even acknowledgement that social norms change. Yeah. And that's okay. There's also, it's just, I'm sorry, it would, you would not write it that differently today. It's like a pretty basic thing. Kids develop intense. And her, her answer was good. It was fine. Oy. I would have said, take the horse out back, make the girl, make the girl shoot the horse. <laughs> if you want to make sure, I mean, we, we should have read the rest of Prudy, original Prudy's response. If you want to make sure that your little girl grows up to be a beautiful straight woman who marries a successful finance guy, take the horse out back and murder it in front of her or better yet, make her do it. Yeah. Okay, let's do housekeeping, but first an ad for our free listeners. Jesse, true or false? You own a dating service in Brooklyn called Single Singles. Before I answer that, I want to note that you wrote this script. <laughs> yes. Looking for a mate who truly tingles? Join Single Singles, where love mingles. You might want to work on that, but imagine that customers are rushing to your retail dating service. Obviously, that Wait, would never happen. Wait, hold on. Hold on. I'm imagining it. Okay. I'm imagining it. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a no. real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly... Sh- no, keep it. Effortlessly. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one sort of truce. <laughs> Just keep that. You have to keep that. People like our ads because you don't know how to talk. Source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Did you say Shopify? Shopify, our new knife company. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash barpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash barpod to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify dot com slash barpod. Check out my dating service. We're Blotter Imported. We're a podcast. You can find us at blotterimported.org where for just uh, $5 a month and up, you get access to three extra episodes each and every month. A service which is about to become much more or less valuable. The reasons <laughs> we'll explain at the end of this podcast. I'm not sure which. Uh, you can also find us on Reddit. Block, uh, Reddit. Uh, blockchainreported.reddit.com. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. The best way to support us is to buy premium subscriptions. The second best way to support us is to uh, go and give us a little five-star rating and, and write a light, nice little review for it. Anything else, Katie? We have merch. I don't I don't recommend you buy it. We do have it. <laughs> Stop. What is, why, why don't we just not talk about the merch? If like... Oh, okay, barpodmerch.com, do what, do whatever the fuck you want. You, the person listening to this, especially if you're a kid, yeah. do whatever the fuck you want. We don't care anymore. Buy a sweatshirt, don't buy a sweatshirt. We will not be getting paid if you <laughs> if you get the sweatshirt. I was doing our accounting yesterday, and we have not been paid for merch since our store inexplicably got sold to somebody. I actually did. We made $44 once, but that's it. Well, but one thing I don't understand, why not ride your horse to the party? Why are they mutually exclusive? Great question. Uh, bring, yeah, bring your, I mean, everybody loves fucking horse at a party bring enough horses for everybody all right anything else jesse mm, i mean i wanted to do some more shout outs but they can wait. all right let's move on to the actual meat of the show today jesse are you familiar with a fellow named jesse brown yes no relation well i was gonna say pro first name jesse con i believe he's canadian 
Is that all you know about him? Is he the Canada Land guy? Yes, exactly. Tell me your impression of him. Yeah, my impression of him. First of all, I believe Canada Land is like a super successful, popular podcast up there. I mean, I don't know what they're into. It's weird, but I think they like it. Uh, second of all, my impression of him mostly came from this uproar over supposed burial sites of indigenous uh, children. There was this whole controversy about the residential schools there, which everyone agreed were horrible and tried to like assimilate uh, indigenous kids in this vicious way. There was this outrage that led to like churches being burned down and shit over this idea that there were these mass graves of indigenous children. And it turned out there was way less evidence to support the worst version of the story than met the eye. Terry Galvin is a Canadian journalist who's um, bona fides, bona fides, bona fides. I, I like bona fides. Boner, boner frieds <laughs> on, um, on like caring about indigenous people are impeccable. He's, he's no one's idea of like a racist or a bigot. And he went on Canada land and I forget if this was the episode itself or if Galvin later released like the full audio, but it made, it made this Jesse Brown guy look awful. Just look like a sneering jerk who wouldn't actually hear what Galvin was saying. Now, if memory serves, Galvin was a little defensive, but he had been, his reputation had been ransacked by this. So anyway, I'm going into this, whatever you're about to tell me with the idea that Jesse Brown is a little bit of a jerk. I assume your story is going to be about how great he is and how I should celebrate him. Actually kind of. Yeah. So that's also, that was also Whoa. my impression of him is that he, um, he, he's an, he, like Canada land is very much like vice was actually born in Canada. So I guess we can't call Canada land Canada's vice. Cause you mean vice, vice the magazine or the yeah, concept? The, of vice? <laughs> no, the concept was definitely not born in Canada. Uh, but Canada Land, I would say the 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 aesthetics of Canada Land is is very similar to sort of old Vice. Like it's ass, it's mean. It's or, or Jesse Brown in particular. He strikes me, struck me as sort of an edgy, an edgy dude, sure of his own correctness. Sort of take Michael Hobbs, um, make Ugh, him, like blow him off to back size a few times. Yeah, that was sort of my impression with him. <laughs> triple, take Michael Hobbs, triple his size, triple him, give him a beard, make him straight and Jewish. Okay, so uh, Jesse Brown's been in some some hot water lately. We're going to get to that shortly. So his podcast, Canada Land, as you said, it's very successful in Canada, very popular there. And it started, he started it back in 2013 with the intention of criticizing the country's media and uncovering shady dealings and scandals. And he's been pretty successful. So just the year after he started the show in 2014, he broke, broke two big stories. First, he revealed that news anchor Peter Mansbridge was paid to speak at an oil industry event, uh, which was huge news in Canada. Oil dealings are highly contentious there. Then he also broke a story you probably are familiar with, which was that CBC radio host Gian Gomeshi was accused of sexual assault. Do you remember this one? I do, yep. So this was sort of a proto Me Too case. Huge news in Canada and in public media in the U.S. Uh, Gomeshi lost his CBC radio show and he faced actual criminal charges. There was a trial. He was found not guilty. But these stories really made Jesse Brown's career. And over the next 10 years, Canada Land became very popular up there. And it's now something of a media empire, at least, you know, as much as that can occur and can happen in Canada. There are various podcasts, limited series that are consistently among the most popular in Canada. So he's like Canada's John Ronson, but much worse. He's like Canada's John K. John K. Canada's John. I don't even know where to go with that. Anyway, continue. John K. will come back up in the story later. Okay, so Ooh. so Brown's stance on Canadian media has always been kind of the same. Canadian media is too insular, and nobody is holding journalists accountable. And in the beginning, he seemed like kind of a breath a breath of fresh air. But in the recent years, he's become less popular with other journalists thanks to his brash, abrasive style. Now, a lot of the disputes he's been in, they do require a sort of in-depth knowledge of the Canadian media. But but for those of us who are not experts on the subject, we can just rely on actual Canadians uh, to tell us what's going on. So there's a veteran Canadian journalist named Mark Borey, and he's had run-ins with Brown himself. So he wrote a piece called Jesse Brown and Canada Land Should Be Removed from the News Media Council. That's a group of journalists and outlet outlets that essentially self-police Canadian media. Can you imagine huh. such a thing? What, I, I, sorry, I, this seems like what? What does the news media council have like power to enforce anything? What, no, it's not like an actual like government regulatory group. So it's like the the Canadian equivalent of a real organization, in other words. So Boris sent a letter to the news media council. He posted this online, and it's pretty damning. He writes that Brown, quote, has a well-earned reputation for irresponsible reporting practices, publishing information that is incorrect and or fabricated, sensationalism, intimidation, and refusal to correct his own errors despite gleefully calling out the missteps of others. So this is about 
Sorry, Michael Hobbs? <laughs> That's the Canadian Michael Why is Canada, what does Canada have to do with Michael All right, sorry, get to you. The few times she has admitted to mistakes, she has done so with no contrition, buried corrections, and left the majority of the offending material in the public domain. His corrections have been late. Podcasts with factual errors are not re-edited. Sometimes the errors are acknowledged in web text below the podcast, which might be found by PC users, but not by iTunes and other users. So that allegation that he fabricated a scene for a CBC pilot. So Jesse Brown has admitted this. And what happened is that he was working on this a pilot for the CBC show. And I'll just read you a bit from Jesse Brown's explanation of what happened. In between interviews with writers and academics, we had comic vignettes where I would go into ethnic eateries and kibitz with the staff. For example, I went into a falafel shop and tried to engage the woman behind the counter in a debate about who had the best hummus, Jews or Arabs. For one of these, I went into San Francisco Foods on Clinton and asked if the guy could put veal parm sandwich in a roti or pita instead of a bun. He gruffly said, no, we don't have that kind of stuff there. And then Jesse Brown says that he didn't get that on tape. And so he recreated that scene with a friend. Okay. So they they recorded something and they made it sound like it. The- Pretended that, yes. Without- he he had his friend pretend to be a dude behind a counter saying, we don't do that kind of stuff here. And they didn't say that it was a reenactment? He told them later. Now, the show never aired. This was a pilot, and Jesse says he wasn't trying to hide anything. He also says it was comedy, not documentary, and he said he never misrepresented what happened or lied to the CBC, but apparently the executive producer hit the roof and killed the pilot after he mentioned that he did this. I'll link to an interview he did about that. Jesse also disputes basically everything that Bory alleges. He says Bory has a personal vendetta against him because Canada Land reported that Bory took money from a disgraced politician who was his longtime friend. It gets complicated very quickly. Bory admits that he took $500 from this politician after he did some work for him, but he disputes the allegation that this is nefarious. It's a complicated saga, Spider-Man pointing fingers at Spider-Man meme. I'll put some links in the show notes if anyone is interested in learning some recent-ish Canadian media history. But my point is that Jesse is a polarizing figure in Canadian media, even though, as he points out, he told me, quote, Canada Land has a 100 out of a 100 credibility rating from NewsGuard. He also has a tendency to get in fights online. Terrible look for a reporter. We would never. Um, one of his no, frequent- it's unprofessional is what it is. <laughs> it is. You know what's you, really unprofessional is to have a Twitter spat with somebody or a Blue Sky's chat instead of keeping it on Blue Sky or Twitter, taking it to your podcast. That's unprofessional. Exactly. It's awful. Anyway, one of his frequent targets is friend of the pod, John Kay. They have a long running. In- oh, it's a Canadian yes. fight. That's like a, It's like a fight with normal people, but cuter. It's like a thumb war. Um, They have a long-running and pretty amusing feud going back to Kay's days at The Walrus. This was a Canadian magazine. So in 2015, Brown reported that The Walrus had stolen an article from a freelancer that kicked things off. And over the years, this spat has gone from a little bit professional to pretty personal. Uh, So one of the best examples was from 2021. Do you remember John Kay went viral for tweeting that he had accidentally been using dog shampoo for months? Yes, that was – oh, my God. That was like so (laughs) – Oh, that was 2021. The internet was already bad then. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, In his defense, the shampoo, the dog shampoo bottle didn't say this is dog shampoo on it, but it did have a picture of a lab. Yeah, you would think that would be a hint. (laughs) Anyway, it became this whole thing. John had a pretty good uh, attitude about it, if I recall correctly. Like, he seemed pretty thrilled that people like Seth Rogen, also Canadian, were dragging him on Twitter. So after that, Brown made a podcast about the episode Mocking John Kay, he promoted it with this tweet. He said, he called at Seth Rogen a troll. He said he was being, quote, mobbed. John Kay is a kid who eats worms for attention and then tells the teacher when other kids make fun of him. With Trump gone, he's the biggest crybaby on Twitter. John Kay doesn't necessarily seem like the type to be like, help, I'm being mobbed over dog shampoo. A lot of people are like that, but not. I don't think Kay, whatever. Yeah. John, John Kay is self-deprecating. Like, he knows that he's a fucking yeah. nerd. He posted some Facebook friends with him, so I won't pretend to be impartial here. I mean, John is a serious critic and journalist, and he's a very good interviewer. I thought his, interv- his interview with you on the Colette podcast several years ago was one of the best I'd, I'd heard with you. He's very good. He's also just amusing in part because... He's an unabashed dork. Like, we're friends on Facebook, and John was recently selling 100 pounds of assorted Legos on Facebook. (laughs) Of course he was. Of course he was. And I doubt they belong to his children. 
I asked John for a quote about Jesse Brown, and he said, the problem is I can't really give you a limited quote. The story of Jesse is the story of the dysfunctionality of Canadian media more generally. I feel like I could easily write 1,500 words on the subject, and I hope that he does. I would love to read both that and Jesse's inevitable response to it. I would, I would read 3,000 words on that. Uh, so politically, Brown tends to sort of toe the party line when it comes to Canada's biggest culture war stories. So do you remember the uh, Jonathan slash Jessica Yaniv story, Jesse? Oh God, this was the. <laughs> I felt. I. I honestly felt this person has something wrong with them. So I felt. The, I felt bad for everyone involved, but this was a person who. Um, I don't know if it was sued or like filed complaints with the Human Rights Commission in the province because they're a, a, a male to female transitioner with intact male genitalia, and these beauty technicians refused to wax this individual's wax penis. His her balls. His her balls. Yeah. Um, you don't wax the penis, I don't think. I think you just I, wax. I don't know. Do you, uh, you know, I'm really not the guy to ask. I can ask some of my friends. <laughs> ask John K. John K. Probably would know. John K. If you're listening right now, yes. But it, it was like it, it, it was something that sounds like a right wing scare story, but it like it actually happened, and these women, uh, at least some of whom were immigrants, actually had to go through this ridiculous. No, I think they were all. I don't know. Uh, they, they had to go through 16 this. Sixteen like, South Asian beauty tech, tech, oh, technicians. God. They had to go through this like ridiculous and and I think for them somewhat expensive kangaroo court process. So it had like actual. It inflicted some actual harm on people, but it was just like one of those stories that I think progressive media held their nose and looked the other way because like it was ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I mean, so Jonathan slash Jessica Yaniv is also the person who got Megan Murphy kicked off of Twitter. Uh, so. <laughs> A totally fucking odious character in, in many senses of the word. And apparently he slash she like made the reservation at the beauty salon under the name Jonathan, which is what he slash she went by at the time. Um, and so these these waxers understand like were like, we don't do balls. Yeah. And then and then he slash she fucking sued them. Anyway. That's a okay, se- that's so- a sentence you never want to have to utter. <laughs> We don't do balls. <laughs> we, we don't. Sorry, we don't do balls. So uh, Brown did a podcast about about this whole episode. It was called Jessica Yaniv Transphobic Fever Dream. I listened to that. Wait, what? <laughs> sorry, this is like, how could it be a fever dream it's when real. It, it happened? It doesn't mean it like happens a lot, but it definitely happened. What was right. his argument? So I listened to it, and the the, the the argument is basically like this story isn't important. Jessica Yaniv isn't a real activist. She doesn't have any power. She's less of a threat than the right wing media covering this is. Although I'm not I sure mean, how many right wing media t- types have sued immigrants I, for not waxing their balls. It, this this whole thing is like okay. You have these human rights commissions. You have what I, I suspect are fairly new rules about self ID. You see what happens when those rules are, you know, in practice, but then you're not allowed to talk about that. Right. I I mean, I I guess I absolutely, Yaniv probably got more attention they deserve, but it was, it was a crazy, ridiculous story that I I think highlighted some flaws in the system. Why should these, these beauty salons get sued? It's insane. Anyway. And then Jessica Yaniv went and put on a giant, put on some giant titties and got a job as a shop teacher. Oh my God. Too soon. Apparently that teacher just like showed up this year as like wearing like man's clothes. And people are just pretending, pretending it never happened. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy. The emperor's new, so the emperor's like new, Dillon. the emperor's new tits. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's how, that's where he, he sits sort of politically. Uh, and overall journalist on, on both sides of the aisle seem to at this point have the same opinion of Brown, which is Canada needs someone to police the media, but not him. And yeah. that said, he still has a lot of fans outside the media. And by 2023, Canada Land was getting over 150,000 downloads a week. Pretty good. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. And that same year, uh, he stepped down as editor in chief of Canada Land, of Canada Land, but he is, he still hosts the podcast. He, he remains the publisher. And the network is very much his baby. Um, it's essentially impossible to separate Canada Land from Jesse Brown, which has caused a lot of problems since October 7th, 2023. What happened then? <laughs> or what, what do the people, what do the powers that be want us to think happened then, I should say? Right. Hamas attacked Israel. And at first, Brown didn't com- comment publicly, which was actually wise of him and something I wish more people would do if they don't know what the fuck is happening, especially on Twitter. He even tweeted, we're not equipped to cover Israel-Palestine. Why is mm, you're giving him too much credit. This is someone who, who like spouts off about everything and frequently gets wrong. And then he stumbles upon something that's too hot. Yeah. Anyway, I think anyway, I get in theory, way more podcasts should be like, we're just like 
we yeah. don't know about that. We're not going to cover it. But it sounds like in general, he doesn't do that. Right. And he did end up releasing a podcast episode on the 12th of October. And that one focused on... <laughs> Wait, sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it focused on misinformation, which is basically exactly what we did. <laughs> we're not going to comment on the actual conflict because we're not equipped to do it. But we can't talk about the media angle or the internet bullshit angle. Okay. I, la- I guess that's right. I laugh because he's like, we're not going to do anything on this in the and five days That's later. exactly what we did. Yeah. <laughs> I, he, here's what he said about it. I don't want to add any noise to this unless I can be of use or of service. Hmm. Um, yeah. And the podcast isn't bad. It's pretty even handed. And he didn't post anything about his personal opinions for the first couple of weeks after the massacre. But the first cracks started to show in late October when he publicly opposed vandalizing Jewish community centers in Canada, which might, Katie, Katie, yeah. I think you, I think you just made a mistake. You, you said he got, you seem to imply he got in trouble for opposing vandalizing Jewish community centers, but that can't be true because that's crazy. <laughs> You'd think. Uh, apparently, this is a very problematic thing to oppose. Sorry, uh, you you saw people responding to him opposing vandalizing Jewish community centers, which is an anti-Semitic hate crime by any definition. Right. Um, people were mad that he opposed that. Right. Because people were God. tagging community centers with things like Free Palestine. And he called that anti-Semitic. That's just anti-Semitic. Just anti-Semitic. I agree with Jesse Brown as much as it pains me to say that. Right. Then uh, he also commented around Halloween, Justin Trudeau posted a photo of his son wearing a very fucking cool costume that made him look headless. Very cool os- costume. And Brown quote tweeted this and said, how can you be this fucking dumb? Not sure if the he refers to Justin Trudeau or his child's. Wait, what, what, so what did the Trudeaus do wrong? What was bad about that? This is when there were rumors about Israeli babies being headed, beheaded by Hamas. Um, what? But the headless <laughs> costume. Oh God, how is everything so stupid? It just keeps getting stupider. He, it, to him, this apparently seemed tone deaf, which is just sort of weird because he's like not a sensitive person who really, under most circumstances, gives a shit about being tone deaf. That's very right? weird. Yeah. Okay. But as the weeks went on, he continued to post about anti-Semitism. And you could see his audience start to turn against him in the comments. But he continued unfettered. Nevertheless, he persisted. He kept posting. And by mid-November, Brown was regularly tweeting about anti-Semitic attacks in Canada. Mostly, <laughs> Is this a... Is this the Canadian version of the stencil trajectory where like a crazy, yes. radical, awful person on Twitter realizes how dumb some of their fans are and like changes their ways maybe? Yes. Huh. You just, Interesting. You okay. just ruin the show. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. Do you want to, I mean, we could skip that. <laughs> no, it's fine. Mostly he wasn't adding any commentary of his own. He was just like linking to articles reporting about people being attacked, synagogues being firebombed and other pretty heinous stuff. Katie, 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 Katie. A synagogue being firebombed is one thing, like whatever, it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, trans woman who doesn't identify as trans or uses a male name, be, people refusing trans to let- fever dream. Yeah, for people refusing to wax their balls. That's a hate crime, not a synagogue being bombed. Then on November 9th, he posted this. Don't mistake anything I post here as I tally each day's intimidations, vandalisms, firebombings, and gunshots as pleas for sympathy. I was taught as a child to expect nothing of the sort. The next time it happens, I was taught to keep records. Were you taught that in synagogue? Okay, so it sounds like we didn't mention this, but it sounds like it sounds like he's Jewish. He is Jewish. He is Jewish, yes. Uh, and then on November 13th, he tweeted a long thread that begins, Are you active in pro-Palestine, ceasefire, BDS protests? Do you reject accusations of anti-Semitism in your movement? I really want to talk to you. And the rest of the thread is a litany of anti-Semitic attacks in Canada following the start of the war. Some are vandalism, some are physical attacks on people. And in the course of the thread, he calls out a few people by name. That includes Sri Parak... Oh, God, this one's going to be hard. Sri Parakar? Paradkar? Yeah, Sri Paradkar. What's so hard about that, Katie? That includes Sri Paradkar. This is a racial justice columnist and the internal ombud on discrimination at the Toronto Star. I feel like that name has come up here before. Uh, oh yeah, she's the one. She's both a columnist and an ombud. Like it was this weird, like um, conflicty dual role thing. Yeah, dual loyalty, you might call it. <laughs> <laughs> so Jesse called Tree out for retweeting this. The way fellow white Jewish people keep centering their feelings in this moment what? is an example of how whiteness has infiltrated our community. Whoa! Wait, the way fellow white Jewish people center their feelings after the most horrific assault on Jews in, in decades occurred. And then after there were hate crimes in Canada, we're too, we're too caught up in our feelings. 
Are you fucking kidding me? And this person, Amanda Gellander, yeah, she's a white Jew herself. What the fuck, man? She continues, centering your hypothetical fear as Palestinians are on literal on a literal death march, dodging bullets and starving. Deep disconnection with humanity. You know, it's a deep disconnection with humanity is imagining you can't both feel bad for Palestinians mm-hmm. and also not want there to be anti-Semitic hate crimes. You contain multitudes, Jesse. I'm so deep. Jesse Brown also called out a former colleague of his from the radio show Q. <laughs> Wait, dude, does that have like a uh, conspiracy theory? Like they just... Was Q there, did, of the show. Q, this is that way before QAnon? It was way before, yeah. Yeah, okay. it used to be on public radio shows. I think, I don't know if it's still on. Um that was the show that Gianca Meschi hosted. Oh, okay. Anyway, Anthony Mna, uh, Jesse Brown's former colleague, tweeted that he hoped Hamas won. That's what that's what the Palestinian people apparently deserve is to be ruled by Hamas over all of Israel proper. That, that's a good outcome yeah, for the Palestinian for people. Sure. Wait, I thought we weren't going to talk about politics. Yeah, sorry, continue. Forget I said that. Just bleep out that whole thing. Do one long, continuous 15-second bleep. Okay, as you can imagine, this thread really did not go down very well with Brown's progressive audience. I mean, the quote tweets are almost all negative. A lot of upside-down red triangles telling him to go fuck himself. Although his old enemy, John K., did pop up to say, good thread. So I guess they finally agree. That's what There should be a name Mm -hmm. for that when like one of your enemies gets dogpiled and you're like, hey, I just want to say you made a great point. What? What is a upside down red triangle? Oh, you haven't seen that? No, what is it? That's like the pro Hamas. Upside down. Or is it from is it from Hamas's own symbiology? I don't know, actually. Well, Al Jazeera, which I'm sure is unbiased on this activists, have been sharing a red triangle emoji to indicate their support for Palestinians in Gaza, just to give both sides uh, that. I think it's Hamas. I don't think it's Palestinians. <laughs> okay. Love you, sis. Uh, am, I an, am I an expert? I'm sure on there's overlap. I'm sure there's overlap. Am I or am I not? <laughs> Okay, I'm sure there's been some, I know that in the States at least, there's also been attacks against Muslim people. There's at least one murder, actually. Is it the same deal in Canada? And how did he respond to that? I don't know if there have been any murders, but there, yes, there have been anti-Islamic attacks. And Jesse Brown has tweeted about them. He's not actually a hardcore Zionist or a BB fanboy. I mean, he, I emailed him. No, it's pathetic. You even have to say that, right. like, just to be right. like, like everything he said should be so bland and vanilla and should it tie people together that no one deserves to be attacked because of their identity. Yeah. So I emailed him to ask if he equates any criticism of Israel with anti-Semitism or even chants like from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free if he thinks that's anti-Semitic. And he said no. Um, He's actually, I think, probably to the left of a lot of vocal Israeli supporters in the U.S. on this issue. Just looking through his tweets, he seems to keep his criticism to acts of vandalism and violence that are blatantly anti-Semitic. And I don't see this sort of concept creep of anti-Semitism in his tweets that we have seen elsewhere. Yeah, right. So he's not doing the words of violence thing. He's he's limiting his criticism, which has included uh, attacks on Muslims or Muslim institutions, you're saying, just to like actual attacks, not opinions he's uncomfortable with. Right. He's basically saying that Jews shouldn't be targeted because people disagree with the actions of the Israeli government. Right. I did email him to ask what his position is on Israel's bombardment of Gaza. And he said, I don't take a public position on it. I'm a reporter and commentator who covers Canadian media and politics. I'm not an expert on Middle East affairs, and I'm not an elected official who takes position on foreign affairs as part of my job. He also said that he considers demands for him to, like, denounce Israel or even clarify his position on the war. He says he considers those demands racist. Quote, it's like asking a Toronto Muslim to denounce Hamas as a precondition before you'll pay attention to their mosque being desecrated. I think that's a totally fine answer. Yeah, Jews, like, if someone asked me... Yeah, you can't just be like, you're Jewish or you're Muslim. What do you think about this conflict that doesn't inherit? Yeah, sorry. I, I So far, I'm finding Brown to be disturbingly reasonable in all of this. I know. I hate I know, it. I hate I that. I hope I there's some like big that. reveal coming up I where like he, I feel like <laughs> you've put his mask back on. I want it to be another mask off moment. <laughs> He's a huge Michael Hobbs fan. Oh, God. Okay. Kill him. I don't actually know if that's true. but We're just spreading misinformation. Anyway, there's real fervor against Jesse Brown online, and the din got so loud that Canada Land's new editor, this is the woman who, who replaced him after he stepped down as editor a couple years ago, she felt the need to make a statement distancing herself and the company from his views. The statement was pretty milquetoast. You know, Jesse's statements don't reflect the company, et cetera. And then soon after that, he pinned a tweet to his Twitter profile clarifying that his views are his own, not that of, that of his employer because it's 2010 and that apparently needs to be said. Uh, and then on November 30th, a new episode of Canada Land dropped. This one was called Is Jesse a Zionist? 
Now, he doesn't really answer the question, is Jesse Brown a Zionist? Because as he says, the definition of Zionist is is fungible. And that's true. I mean, you said you weren't a Zionist on this show. And we got a bunch of emails from people saying, if you think Israel has a right to exist, congratulations, you're a Zionist. It just it seems like such a... Okay, I'm going to say something that people have said about us or like uh, heterodox types or whatever we are, like even asking the questions in bad faith. If someone asks you that, they don't mean it in good faith. I just think that's usually true if you ask someone if they're a Zionist because it has a lot of layers to it. Like how I would have felt about this in 1880 is different from how I feel about it today. Obviously, Israel should continue to exist because the alternative is horrific. And if that makes me a Zionist, I guess I am. But it's just such a seemingly milquetoast opinion, but I guess not among these crazy people. Oh, God damn it. Now people are going to say we're a fucking Zionist podcast. <laughs> How could now. you be Zionist? I'm not a Zionist. How could you not be Zionist? <laughs> and round and round she I goes. I mean, it has become, Zionist has become a very negative term. It's, which is also like a little bit gross because I mean the the same people who if you like say anything with even a whiff of some distant connection to reactionary thought are like oh you're right. a Nazi are then throwing around terms about the evil Zionists. Like are you kidding me? Anyway we're sorry bleep all that. Bleep the last two and a half minutes or whatever it was. Mostly what he does in the podcast is continue to talk about anti-Semitism and what talking about it has cost him. So he says he's been called a genocidal terrorist by hundreds of strangers. He says he's gotten death threats, including one from a guy who got his phone number. Oh, yeah. He says he's been told that if he doesn't stop talking about anti-Semitism, then some of Canada's supporters and advertisers are going to cut ties. He also says his colleagues have been targeted for working with him. I mean, uh, he also, like, he didn't give a shit about this sort of deranged behavior until it impacted him. Like, I checked his tweets, and usually when he's posted about cancel culture, it's in scare quotes, cancel culture, and he's denying it exists. Right. I asked him if he thinks what he's going through is an example of cancel culture, you know, calls to resign, targeting his colleagues, threats of a boycott. He said this. I've been dubious and critical of the whole concept of cancel culture for years. Should I do this in a Canadian accent? Yeah, please do. All right, I gotta channel. Make it as offensive as possible. Can you do one first so I can like just have a model of what it sounds like? Yeah. What are you talking about, Boots? <laughs> uh, hockey. Uh, sorry. No, okay, the cutest is when they go, I'm sorry. I've been dubious and critical of the whole concept of cancel culture for years, so I think it was an educational experience for me to be the target of an attempted cancellation. Jesus, you're making him so... Well, no, the accent was glorious, but you're making him so fucking likable and reasonable. I hate this. I know. Give me some dirt. Has he, where, where are his buried bodies in mass grave? <laughs> as, it, as it were. He also says, I don't think anything is inherently wrong with people exerting power as a group. There are a lot of abhorrent individuals and institutions with real power who make unethical decisions every day that impact millions. So as a counterbalance, I think it's okay that large groups of people can now make demands or try to set ethical standards based on their shared values or opinions. That doesn't mean anyone has to listen to them. Dot, dot, dot. That being said, people sure can be terrifying when they form mobs. It was fascinating and horrifying to see when a lie about you is repeated enough times it can take on a life of its own to the point where the fact that it's a lie ceases to matter. Jesse supports genocide, has no basis in fact, but the allegation became an issue even for some people who know it to be false. At a certain point, you kind of get a stink of opprobrium on you. That's when you find out who has principles and who does not. Huh. That's like, uh, I'll stop making the jokes about how annoying it is. It sounds thoughtful, but that's thoughtful on multiple levels in part because it identifies this tension with like, in many ways, it is good that if someone does something actually bad, they can be held accountable in new ways, but it's hard to know where the line should be drawn or when it goes too far, blah, 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 all the stuff we've been talking about for almost four years. Yeah. And this is further proof of my theory that cancellation is actually good for some people and can make you a more thoughtful person if you don't either A, lean into it so hard you become exactly what your critics said you were all along, or B, kill yourself. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I heard an, um, I can't, <laughs> I can't give details, but I heard this amazing story about someone who was canceled in this ridiculous way. And then came to be um, working a creative role on a project about cancellation. But when they saw that this project was actually anti-cancellation, they were like, I, I, I can't do that. It's like very Stockholm syndrome. People who get canceled, but then eventually go back to canceling other people or being pro-cancellation. I'm going to need you to tell me who that was off mic. I will. 
Anyway, Brown kept tweeting about this. His focus did shift a little bit from anti-Semitic attacks to the problems with journalistic bias in covering this. Uh, Soon he was accusing the Canadian news of, quote, putting Jewish Canadian lives in danger, which, of course, this sounds very reminiscent of American journalists in light of the Tom Cotton. It sounds very hyperbolic. To be fair, he said that after a Canadian TV broadcaster called Jewish protesters rallying in support of kidnapped Israelis. He called them pro-war protesters. Oh, my God. Yeah. A Canadian TV broadcaster said that, like, while broadcasting? Yeah, and then, of course, a a bunch of comments under Jesse's tweets are like, people are wearing the flag and they're not calling for a ceasefire, therefore they are pro-war protesters. Oh, my God. Regardless, Jesse kept tweeting. Uh, He also published a piece reporting that Sri This is really sad. Just for those who can't see the notes, this is not a hard name. Smith, Katie, Smith. (laughs) Just say it. Uh, Paradkar. You just haven't had Indian people in your life. The name is very easy to pronounce. It is Sri... Paradkar. Shri Parad. <laughs> I shouldn't have said Indian. I don't know if they're fucking yeah, Indian, but yeah, it's not a hard You name. fucking bigot. <laughs> they're actually Irish Catholic. <laughs> anyway, Jesse reported that she lost her job as Toronto as the Toronto Star's internal ombud on discrimination. Uh, she, of course, is the person I, mo- I mentioned a moment ago who retweeted the thing about white Jews centering their own feelings. In his article, Jesse quoted an anonymous Jewish colleague of Paradkar's saying they felt uncomfortable turning to her for help. And outside to outside commentators, this was seen as particularly problematic because Jesse Brown, a white man, was apparently targeting a South Asian woman. Oh my God. Targeting Mm-hmm. Sorry. So, th- but this person's job, this is literally the person you go to if, if you feel there's anti-Semitism at your workplace, right. but you obviously say what you will of the safetyism language. And she but writes like, a column about it. Uh, this makes no, of course that she shouldn't. I'm glad. Of course she should have lost her job. You can't, if you're going to have a job like that, you, it's like, <laughs> you're getting if, very whatever. Heated. This is all so crazy. These institutions, like long after this stuff has crested, there are still these pockets of just hey, insanity. Yeah, everything's a few years behind in Canada. They might be peak, peak woke right now. They don't have Wi-Fi yet. Yes. They're, uh, they're all on dial up. That's why it's taking this long. That's why it's 2024. They're litigating this stuff. Uh, so by this point, a lot of Jesse Brown's base was deeply unhappy with him. Articles with names like Jesse Brown destroyed Canada land's credibility and the decline of Canada land started to appear. Uh, Here's one quote. Intellectually, Brown was a junior C player in an NHL program. That's very, (laughs) very cutting for Canada. That's like hate speech in Canada. Mm -hmm. But Jesse kept tweeting and talking about this. He had one podcast episode um, called Burning Down the Jewish Deli is Not Kosher. Oh, my God. I'm clicking on that. Did that actually happen? A Jewish deli got burned down? I guess so. I did not listen to the episode, but I guess so. Oh, my God. This is Maybe the Jewish deli, maybe they just burned some rye. Who knows? I was going to say, maybe someone got food poisoning and has nothing to do with that. Okay. So at the very least, there's crazy people with substacks who think this Brown's anti-anti-Semitism stance destroyed his reputation in Canada lands. How did he like his actual colleagues at Canada land respond to that? Uh, well, the union released a statement calling him out saying that he had published a quote series of misleading and targeted statements. I, I don't think they had a problem with that before. Uh, this was the first time that Canada land union that they tweeted since January of 2022. They broke their silence to call out Jesse Brown. This is Insane. And it's funny, the two responses I'm seeing underneath are Jonathan K, <laughs> OMG, can you imagine working with these whiners every day? And then someone called D, no, not that D, the other one who you can probably guess this person's hair color. Actually, you can't. Gu- guess it. Guess it. Blue. Green. It's green, it's green. which is close to blue. Um, I appreciate this, but as long as Jesse is involved in the Canada Land organization, I will never return to listening, let alone financially supporting. That's a very healthy process. Then one of the responses to that, Jesse can grow. It's a long shot, but possible. This is very creepy and this ritualistic. The entire this is fucking spectrum. It's the three genders right there. Do you think that um, maybe he could get a job at Quillette? Yeah. He's, his next step is to become a race realist. <laughs> okay. You can't say that's not fair. <laughs> I'm not saying he's going, I'm joking. He's my whole thing is he's being very reasonable about this in the response. No, I, I'm you're, that's not fair to Quillette. Oh, no, I was sorry. I'm not saying. 
<laughs> I can't keep track of who I'm being unfair to. Just bleep uh, out. Yeah. Can you just bleep out anytime I talk during this uh, episode? Anytime you talk. I'm just, this is just going to be me on this episode. Yeah. So anyway, now Jesse Brown finds himself in this very weird position, right? Because the people calling him out are his, his allies, his, his former fans and the people defending him are the very sorts of people he made his career shitting on. People like John Kay. Yeah. So he hasn't publicly commented on the Canada Land Union uh, disowning him. But when I emailed him, I asked if this experience had changed him or his politics at all. You know, the experience of having your friends ditch you and your enemies praise you. And he said, no, quote, I've been reporting and commenting on racism in Canada for years. And the only changes are that Jews have become the main target of racism in Canada and saying so has elicited angry responses and accusations. He also said, I reject the idea that support from the, quote, wrong people means you must be wrong. That's just dumb tribalism. And people I disagree with on some topics are by no means wrong on all topics. So I guess he's fine with dog shampoo now. <laughs> he's just, he's going through buckets of the stuff. He, I gotta say, he's handling this pretty well. And even if he says this hasn't changed him, I think it has for the better. <laughs> this whole thing leaves me really uncomfortable because the main figure is just after, you know, I wasn't sympathetic to him going in, but you're making me change my views, which is very uncomfortable for me. And I don't like that. And I, it's bringing you flashbacks to the times, the time we defended Noah Berlatsky, isn't it? He's not that bad. That was different because he was being accused of a specific thing. We didn't say Berlatsky himself had changed or done anything right, but he was just being unfairly accused. You should always defend people who are unfairly confused. In this case, I went in with strong anti-Brown priors, and I went in strongly in favor of anti-Semitism, and you've changed my mind about both. All right, Jesse, that is enough of the saga of Jesse Brown. Are you? Should we make the announcement? Are you ready? Should we? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, wait, wait. Give me. I gotta. I gotta get ready. Okay, I gotta. I got. I got it. Are you strapped in? Is your butt strapped in? I got my strapping on. Okay. Um, the announcement is that- He's leaving the show. I'm not leaving the show. I'll just hop to free everyone. Can you imagine how many <laughs> suicides you just caused? Just the mere thought of it. No, the announcement is I am taking a partial book leave. I am writing a book about- <laughs> What's that? That's the first time you've ever used a drop. You used it on that? I'm celebrating. That's not what it said. No, that's like a joke drop, not a celebration drop. You should, what you, what you should have had queued up- <laughs> As usual, your inability to do preparatory work has hamstrung you. <laughs> All you had to do was clip three seconds of celebrate good, and you would have had a hilarious drop. I don't have a button for that. <sighs> anyway, continue. I'm writing a book. I announced this on my Substack. We'll include a link to that Substack announcement. It is about, yes, you guessed it, Civil War history. <laughs> no, it's about the it's youth. About it's it's about Keffels. It's about the youth gender medicine fight, which was, you know, it, it's a toxic subject, but I think a very interesting and important one. It was sort of an obvious subject for if I was going to write a second book for it to be this. Um, Jesse I'm, was just, he, he really felt like he hadn't been yelled at on Twitter enough lately. Yeah. I was like, I need more people to tell me to kill myself. So how can yes. I achieve that? Uh, no, I think this is like a really interesting story. As someone who writes about science and scientific controversies, I'm writing the book for uh, thesis. That's a new imprint of Penguin Random House. I'm off to a good start. There's, I want to talk to like anyone with a stake in this. Uh, ideally, that would include some folks who disagree with me. I guess this is not the right forum to find people who no, disagree with me because you all, you all love me so much. Um, but yeah, click on the link uh, in the show notes for more information. But what's going to happen, I do not have a big enough brain to do all this stuff at once. I just don't. I wish I did. I know people who do. I'm only going to be doing the premium episodes in February, March, and April. And we found in my place a dog that we have trained <laughs> To agree with Katie, so His you won't you won't Moose. hear much difference. His name is Booz. No, we found a pretty amazing um, crop of guest co-hosts. I'm a little bit scared that they're going to outshine me, so Dude. I'm going to call yeah. each of them 5 a.m. the morning of their uh, show to try to hamper their performance. I'm just going to be like, I need to talk, and they'll be like, What? I'm like, I don't know. I just want to talk. I've already recorded the first episode, and it's so much better than anything we've ever done together. Fuck. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, I have, remember that I have, legally I have a half ownership stake in um Actually, Herbabank. we don't have a contract uh -oh. together. So oh, no. I'm, you know, it's very trusting of you to assume I'm going to let you back in after you abandoned me for three months. I mean, this could be the interesting, and I'll tell you, I have big plans for this show. 
I'm going to change the name. I'm going to change the theme song. We're going to be a true crime pro- podcast now. Wait a minute. I'm looking at... Things are going to be different. I'm looking at my... Things are going to be real different uh, when you get back. I'm looking at my book contract. It's from John Smith at realpublishinghouse.ru. Did you... <laughs> do I have a book deal? Did you just... Was this whole thing... I don't know if you have a book deal, but you definitely are not going to have a podcast when you in three months when you try to get back in the door. Anyway, this is a good as good excuse as any to encourage you guys to uh, subscribe to the Primo episodes or, you know what, see, see how Katie does all on her own. Uh, I've been the brains of this. I've been writing every word of what she said for the last three and a half years or three, almost four years. Anyway, I just want to say um, it's crazy to me. We've been doing this almost four years. It's been four very long and weird years, but it's crazy. <laughs> this is my longest job by like Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and part of the reason I can take this leave, which will really help me write the best version of this book possible is because I know I'm leaving the show in good hands and because we have this amazing base of support that I know isn't going anywhere. So I've said this a lot before. I just want to thank people from the bottom of my heart uh, for helping us build what we've built. It's just been amazing. And I'm actually very excited to hear blocked and reported without me. Cause it'll be very different. And I suspect very good. Well, I'm absolutely thrilled about this. I mean, I've been trying to get rid of you for three and a half, <laughs> almost four years now. And so finally my dreams are coming true. I'm replacing you with how many weeks is it? 12 weeks, 13 weeks. I'm replacing you 13. with an incredible roster of Jewish women and gay men it's going to be really Yeah. And, and, you know, we shouldn't have put that in the job posting. Only gay men and Jewish women need to apply. I think that was illegal. It just, so ha- it just, it just happened, happened like with that. that. We do have one. We do have one straight man, but he's a Taylor Swift fan. I should also add that um, I will also be popping up on the free feed on a couple of instances. So I won't be entirely absent, but uh, it will mostly be Katie and some really amazing guest hosts. So, yeah. All right. So it, on the off chance that any of you are going to miss Jesse's voice, I, I'm sure it's a small number, but on the off chance that you are, you can uh, you can hear them on the premium episodes. Yes. And I obviously want more paid subscribers for my newsletter, but you can sign up no, for free to get the free ones don't. because if you want um, updates on my book, I'm not going to pollute the blocked and reported feed with updates about my book. You're, I'm changing the password. JesseSingle.Substack.com. 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 I'm cutting that. All right. Anything else, Jesse? That is it. Thank you guys again for listening, for real. Uh, this has been Blocked and Reported. As always, we're produced with help from Tracing Woodgrains and Jessica, the 80s baby. I'm Jesse Single, and remember, I'm going to miss you guys. And I'm Katie Herzog. And also remember, I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> you totally did. That. That's not what the, that drop is. It's a joke drop. I'm out of here. I'm out of here.